Hey everyone, it's Aubrey. Happy New Year. It's 2019 and this year we'll be bringing you episodes with stories from London, England. It's a new year and it's a whole new community of awesome women. First though, we're bringing you the other half of an interview that we aired back in November with our friend Autumn, who spoke to us about her job as a teacher and the way that her children are affected by prejudice as they grow. Today, Autumn's got another story for us. You may hear her reference some of the things that she talked about in November's episode, so if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it before you dig into this one. Otherwise, let's get started. The Sisters of the Islamic Center of Bloomington invite you to explore hijab from a personal perspective. We want to share the importance of hijab, why we choose to wear it, and what it means to us, in the hopes that by listening to our stories, you will come to better understand who we are as Muslims, women, and humans. The Hijabi Diaries, Muslim women speaking for themselves. You're listening to The Hijabi Diaries. I'm Aubrey Cedar. Autumn is an early childhood educator in Bloomington, Indiana, and she tells us her story of how she converted to Islam and started wearing the hijab. One of the parents told me once that the her daughter was putting on her shirt and she um, had her like shirt over her head, but her head was just in the hole, and she was like, Hi, ah, Miss Autumn, <laughs> you know, because she got stuck. Yeah. So it's just, they're just like innocent about it. Right. Like, there's not really much hatred or anything like that. It's just kind of like, oh, what is that? I've never seen that before. Let me ask what it is. And then they just accept my explanation of, you know, it's part of my religion. A lot of times they'll ask me, like, what is religion? Like, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know what it is, you know? And I'm just like, well, people believe different things, and I like to wear this. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Know. It's like they like to yeah. wear their favorite shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's cool. So tell me about um, tell me about how you got into Islam, how you became a Muslim. It was a long time ago. How long ago? Um, I think I converted when I was almost sixteen, like I was still fifteen. So it was twelve years ago. Wow. Yeah, I was really young. I was in middle school, and I was taking a. I want to say it was like a world history class or a world geography class or something. And during one of the units in that class, they went over world religions. And my family, they were like Christians, but like in name only. Like we never yeah. went to church or, I mean, we went on like major holidays and we would celebrate Christmas and Easter, but we never really went to church. Um, so I was intrigued and I was studying it. And at that time I had met a girl who was Palestinian and she wore hijab and we had become friends. And, uh, I was just kind of like doing a self-study on my own about these religions and, you know, Islam had been in the media and stuff. So that one kind of stuck, stood out to me. Um, I actually, at th around that time I started going to church by myself and my mom wasn't going, um, neither were my sisters, but I just like felt like I needed to go do something. So I was in church for a while 
And then at some point I just stopped going to church because it just wasn't like resonating with me somehow. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of just like doing nothing for a while and I was studying like Judaism and <clears throat> that wasn't really standing out to me either. And then I started studying Islam and I kept studying it for so long. It was really like interesting. I was so interested about it and my friend at that time we got closer not because she knew that though she was very she was practicing but she was really nervous about like pressuring me or like making me feel like she was trying to push religion on me I think because you know we were young at that time we were just like 15 mm -hmm. And she and didn't it also have. Like it was like right in the aftermath of 9 11, like those first five years yeah. afterwards. And so she was yeah. pretty cautious about that. Yeah, and I think she wanted to preserve the friendship. Mm -hmm. So she didn't ever talk to me about Islam. She would answer my questions if I asked her, but she never brought anything up because I think she just didn't want to, like, you know, push me away and lose me as a friend because she didn't have a lot of American friends at that time. And we got mm -hmm. along really well. And actually, when I. It's funny because the mosque in my neighborhood in Indianapolis at that time was literally, like, down the street from my house. Like, I could walk <laughs> there. So I started meeting her every weekend there because they had some potluck or kind of, like, some activity that they mm -hmm. would do. And I would just, like, go chill there all the time. And, you know, I was, like not dressed properly and now when I'm like thinking back on it I'm like oh my gosh I used to roll up in there and like some crazy stuff like it was just like a, it was just a hangout spot for me you know but they always had talks and stuff there so I would listen in and they would have potlucks and I got to eat all this delicious food and stuff and no one ever you know did anything crazy on me so it was a good learning experience and then I think I was I did that for maybe a year, so I must have like been like 14, 15 when I started. And then I actually called her one day, and I told her like, "Okay, I'm, I wanna, you know, convert to Islam." And she was shocked because I hadn't really been telling her like I'm studying hardcore because I want to like I'm so interested in this and she didn't want to pressure me so it was kind of like I guess a lack of communication in that regard <laughs> but she was she actually told me to wait because she said you know I need to think about it and it's a big deal and she didn't want me to make any decision like rashly right. so I waited like half a year and I studied even more. What was it that interested you so much about it that you were studying it so much? It just it just felt right. I don't know. I read Quran and, you know, something, like, clicked. It's hard to explain. But I felt like when I was doing the other ones, like, it was just kind of more of a, like, the other ones okay. Like Christianity. Yeah, and Judaism, like... I, I resonated with some of the things in their texts, but at times I was just like, I don't know. And when I went to church, I was like, I don't know. I tried to, like, ask some questions, um, 
and then like a lot of times it was just like have faith and I was just like I don't know like I want to I need more than that like I need more information so when I I don't know when I started reading Quran I just had a lot of my questions answered I guess and it was written very beautifully and yeah I don't know it just clicked mm-hmm. it's so kind you of studied hard for to six explain. more months and then yeah. you were like it's time <laughs> yeah so at that point it was like a year and a half of me just studying and I was worried a little bit about my family but <clears throat> my mom wasn't very religious at that time and my dad was like not really around that much so it actually went off pretty smoothly yeah Yeah. it went well and my mom was actually there when I converted Mm -hmm. um yeah so at that time I was maybe about to be 16 or I might have just turned 16 it was so long ago I can't really and what was, like, the general reaction from, like, your community? I mean, it seems like your mom was okay, your family was fine with it, but what about? Well, you know, I didn't wear hijab until I turned, like, middle of 18. Mm-hmm. I actually started wearing it right when I went to college. Mm-hmm. So I found that tradition, that that was a bit hard transition for me mm-hmm. because, you know, I was in high school and... I hadn't been wearing hijab, and there wasn't really any Muslims in my community, so it was kind of weird. And my mom, um, she was, you know, she was pretty easygoing in that time, but she was kind of, like, a bit weirded out by the hijab. So I would wear it when I would go to mosque and things like that, but in general I didn't wear it until I started college. And I just thought when I moved down here to IU to go to college that it would be a clean start. And, and I could like just... Of people here, who yeah, jobs, so. yeah. So I just kind of started that way, and I mean, to be honest, I was like 16 when I converted, and hijab wasn't super high on my priority list, right? Yeah. When I when I converted, so I was more focusing on like studying and learning the basics, mm-hmm. and you know, learning to pray correctly, and I didn't think it was that big deal. Right. at that time and I still don't think it was that big big of a deal I think everyone has to you know take their own path mm-hmm. to getting to where they need to be and sometimes things aren't 100% perfect and that's just that's just how it rolls so so why did you finally decide to wear hijab like why you said it was hard for you at first but that mm-hmm. was that because of the idea of covering or was it just because of like what your community, your mother would be weirded out about it. To be honest, I'm a little bit of a lazy person. <laughs> so, um, I, in the beginning, I hated just, like, matching everything together and, like, making it work. <laughs> because my wardrobe was obviously not very hijabi-friendly at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was in high school and I was, like, trying to do all of these things and things got a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a laziness at that point. We're like, oh, I don't really, you know, want to make this effort to do this. <laughs> and, like, you know, I was in high school. I didn't have a ton of money to, like, buy a whole new wardrobe. Right, yeah. So I was just kind of like, it was in the back of my mind. I was like, I do want to do this at some point. That's um, going to be an overhaul of yeah. my entire wardrobe. Yeah. And then, you know, I think with hijab, 
people like go through phases with it too like there's different amounts of covering you do and how you want to cover and what's the most comfortable for you and it takes people a while until they kind of like get into their groove of like what is going to work for them long term Mm -hmm. and even then it like changes so I just when I went to college I thought okay I'm ready you know I'm like almost 19 now and I'm starting off in a new place people are going to know me I'm going to know people and I didn't really I didn't want to have to answer like so many questions from people when you like change something and they're really curious about it I was just like let me just start off strong like Mm -hmm. this is who I am I want to be this way so I did that and what would you say to um a lot of the people who say that like wearing hijab or like the decision to wear hijab that that people who wear it are like I guess oppressed or are sort of like not feminist or big on equality or anything like what would you say to them I mean that's stereotypical claim (laughs) yeah I feel like women can do whatever they want Mm -hmm. and if someone wants to walk naked, it's okay with me. And if someone wants to wear hijab, it's okay with me. So I just don't like policing how people dress themselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are women out there who are oppressed in some way, as there are women who don't wear hijab that are oppressed in some way. It's it's just kind of... I don't know. I mean, I'm living my life, and everyone I know who wears hijab is just living fine normal lives um but you know I'm I wouldn't say the majority are yeah I don't know you know like get out in your community and see women around you what they're Um, doing do you know anybody like in your circle of friends that are Muslim that was forced to wear the hijab or like felt pressured to wear it I mean, I think if you're born in a Muslim family and you grow up here, um, you know, your parents want you to wear hijab mm-hmm. and they encourage you to wear hijab. Um, I'm sure there's some people that might even force it. I mean, unfortunately, some cultures just mm-hmm. are a little bit out of control. <laughs> but once you're old enough, you kind of have your own free will, so you can do whatever you want. I mean, I, like, I have a friend, she kind of grew up in that more traditional culture, and, you know, she started wearing hijab at a young age, but, you know, when you're at that age and you're raised in that way, it's not weird, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, It's not even, like, to say no, it's, like, not expected even. Right. But once she got older, she could kind of, like, make her own... When she got out and did things, right. she could make her own decisions about what she wanted to do. Kind of like when we have, like, dress codes in school. Where yeah. Girls aren't allowed to wear short skirts, but then yeah. when you get to college, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think, you know, at a point, especially here in the West, where we have mm-hmm. a lot more freedom, mm-hmm. your parents do exert a certain amount of influence over you, as do all parents until you while you're living in their house anyway I mean my mom loves to say that if you're living in my house you're following my (laughs) rules but I think all parents love to say that yeah but once you're out there and doing things you know it's kind of and I think you know people say that crap or they're you know oppressed and they're seeing this stuff on the news 
And, you know, I mean, it's true. There's some places in the Middle East where women are oppressed and there there's like real issues there. But at the same time, there are women who are living freely there, too. It's just the media only shows the bad things. Mm-hmm. Like they they're always saying that, you know, violence, like Muslim men are violent and they treat their wives badly and they do this and that. And it's framed as kind of a Muslim problem. But when, yeah, but when you look at, you know, domestic violence in the USA, I mean, oh, my God, we have so much. Um, and it's, it's a very high amount. It's not a Muslim problem. It's kind of a man problem, you know, but it's just framed that way. Right, as a being of, of To further that... another agenda, which, you know, I don't like to watch that stuff or it kind of depresses me. But unfortunately, a lot of people do and it gets into their minds and they kind of take things out on other people because you know I don't know but in in the Muslim I mean lots of people made it very clear to me that like in Islam like in the Quran Mm -hmm. there is nothing that says you should beat your wives or that you should be mean to women you know kind of the opposite unfortunately like like Islam is a perfect religion and people say that Muslims aren't perfect it's so true and unfortunately a lot of Muslim-majority countries have some weird culture going on, and it kind of intermingles, and since it's a Muslim-majority country, you know, for those people, they think it's the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they're all Muslim, and they're all from this culture, and it's just like, you don't even, you know, don't you think you're less likely to question things when the majority does it? You <laughs> yeah. know, it's just like something that is. So, I feel like that can happen, and some weird stuff gets creep creeped in, and mm-hmm. they say, "Oh, this is Islam." Right. And unfortunately, the Middle East is not doing a great job these days. No, so <laughs> unfortunately. And then, yeah, I think we talked about this with um, with kids, you know, and how kids are affected by certain things mm-hmm. that adults are doing. But, like, in your community in general, and this is for, like, the Muslim people that you're around and also just, like, the non-Muslims, like, everybody that falls in, like, the non-Muslim category, too. Like, what do you what do you feel like it does to communities like Bloomington and to to places, to individuals, to, to for people to treat, like, for instance, Muslims, but, like, any group like that with hostility and with you know, sort of fear, just sort of, like, keep them at arm's length? Like, what do you think that does to individuals and to the community? Um, well, from my perspective is a little bit different because I was, you know, just raised as a typical white girl in Midwest Indiana. So I see a lot of differences, I guess, Whereas some of the other Muslims who are born Muslim and they're, they've come from other countries, they don't see it as heavily as I do. Um, but <clears throat> it just makes things in general harder. It's like almost you can't live your life with ease, almost. Can't go on vacation without worrying about things. Can't go to parks. Like I don't really, like for me personally, I don't like to go to small towns I stay away from, you know, parks that are kind of secluded, 
Um, it makes me uncomfortable, those kind of things, because I just never know, like, some crazy people are just gonna be weird, or attack you, or yell at you. Thankfully, I haven't had a ton of things happen, but, you know, the staring kind of gets old. I think, you know, we have a, a problem with Islamophobia here. But the scarier thing is that there's people out there like that and they're walking amongst us, but they're just, like, not very outward with their feelings. But they could just, like, one day just lose it and you don't know who it is. I mean, like, I like I went to Monroe Lake, mm -hmm. like, a month ago. And it was not crowded at all. Actually, there was maybe only six people there. And somehow, from the time I got, like, from my car to the lake and back to my car, someone had keyed it. And there were only, like, six people out there. And that's the kind of stuff that's the most creepy, I think. Is a lot of people, there, I think there's more people who are, you know, anti-Islam and anti-Muslim than we think. And we can kind of ignore it most of the time. But, like, there's, like, those little instances where, like, people are, like, mean-mugging you real hard. Or... Crap like that, car. or they key yeah. your car, or you know, yell something as they drive by. And damage sometimes, yeah. Depending on how they do it, he did it pretty bad. <laughs> I was like so upset, but my husband was like, you know, whatever, we're fine, doesn't matter. But for me, you know, I think it makes me more angry because, you know, like my family is the ideal family who would do those things, so I'm just like. Dude, you don't even know who I am, what I do. And the kids, you know, see me every day, and they're curious about my hijab. And they've accepted it as normal. And they see me acting normal. You know, for kids, they're very simplistic in how they act with others and become friends and love each other. And it's just like, if you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. So, you know, for kids, it doesn't matter what you're wearing, how you look. If you're nice to them okay we you know don't stay that way it yeah would be great. it would be great <laughs> yes so I like the work I'm doing there because I think it is useful and I'm I'm kind of interacting with people who would you know not normally be friendly with Muslims or think they're kind of weird or other and they're out to get us and mm. um I've had you know just only like one parent who was a little bit weird yeah. for the whole time and I was just like okay all right sure yeah, yeah. But, you know, it seems pretty, like, because of all the, like, the bullying and things that are, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's that it's escalating, like, we're going to have to work pretty hard to, like, make, to, to for, on more of the stuff that you're doing, sort of, like, mm. break down those barriers, because having, uh, having yeah. a generation of children grow up just feeling like, yeah because ever since I was in third grade, like, and I, I was in third grade when 9-11 happened, like, immediately it was, like, all Muslims are terrorists, like, yeah everybody and so a generation of kids that grew up in that like we can't really we can't afford for that like I can't imagine just... how those kids lived their life at that time I I wasn't Muslim yet at that time I was like in fourth grade or something maybe fifth grade but I didn't live in a community where there were many Muslims to be honest like when I was in the end of my, I went to like an intermediate school before middle school, and I remember there was like one African American student that came, and it was like a big deal. 
And he was, like, the only one. It's like, all of Indiana, basically, yeah. except for Indianapolis. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm from Indianapolis. Right, so but I was weird. in, like, an Avon area, right. and it was, like, more of a fancy area, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. even know how I got in that school, because I was really poor growing up, so. I think I just might have been on the edge of something, mm-hmm. like, the edge of the poor and rich people line. Right. But, <clears throat> yeah, I, the kids, you know, worry me, but I try to tell them and teach them to be kind to each other and embrace differences and mm-hmm. value kindness and caring for others and don't put emphasis on looks and things like that. And you know what? We're just raised to be that way. It's really sad, but it's just, you know, without thinking, if you have a child who comes in your class who's a girl, you always... Tell them they have a cute dress on or oh, a... Look so pretty. Yeah, there. you never compliment them on their brains. You just, like, focus on appearance all the time. Right. It doesn't There's, that get you? I yeah. try so hard not to It's say hard because pretty. it's in you. It's, right. like, it's, like, ingrained in you. Like, you want to say those things. And I think, you know, especially, like, white teachers are more likely to compliment little white girls on that stuff and not black girls because it's just ingrained you know and I think you know with that one student that's what she was kind of seeing in her classroom is that she was never told she was pretty so she's yeah yeah so then she they just ingrain that thing those things and when they see the media and all the you know the models like of the children they're usually white and there's not a ton of a diversity and they're getting better but you know it's just and so do you think in a similar way if so many kids are telling you know, this Muslim student that he or she is, like, violent or that, like, the woman is depressed or, like, things like that, that, like, mm-hmm. that those will be things that are ingrained into them as, like... You know what? It totally is, are. and you already see it with African-American boys because they're showing that they're more likely to be called violent, aggressive, um, kicked out of jail. school mm-hmm. at a young age, like... At preschool, like, these African-American kids are getting kicked out of preschool for doing things that a white kid would do, too, but they're not getting kicked out. Mm-hmm. But they're just more likely to be labeled aggressive. And I, you know, it's just, we have to rehaul something. I'm not sure what, mm-hmm. you know, but unfortunately, the majority of teachers are white and... They're busy and they're not thinking, you know, they're overworked. I know they are, but the but it's a, it's another part system of, the of repression is kind of in there pretty badly. The Hijabi Diaries is produced by me, Aubrey Cedar with help from WFHB News Director Wes Martin and co-producer Anna Mighty, in partnership with the Open Hearted Campaign to End Islamophobia. The music you heard on today's episode is by hip-hop artist Baraka Blue. Find more of his work at www.barakablue.com. If you're in London, England, and have enjoyed hearing the musical stylings of Pearls of Islam that we feature on the Hijabi Diaries, we have great news. The ladies are playing a concert in North London at Rumi's Cave on January 26th at 6 p.m. If you love them as much as we do, 
join us for the concert. For more details, visit www.pearlsofislam.co.uk. Special thanks to Autumn for sharing her thoughts with us today, and to you for listening. May your plot thicken, may your chicken be halal, may your style be sufficient, may your soul be free of its prison. May Allah increase you in your vision. May you find everything you've been missing.